outside, but there's light on the inside, yeah? So it's much better inside than outside today. That's good. So um, I don't know what your week has been like. Um, we're at this stage of life where we've been going around lots of secondary schools, okay? So, um, so I don't know if you remember that from your own stage of life or you've had kids and things like that, but we're trying to find out the right school for... I don't know, like the next seven, eight years, it's kind of scary. And then our youngest son as well, it's like, wow, the, you know, the years just fly away, don't they? Um, and so I feel like I've spent a lot of my week in school, and it's been a long time since I've done that. I've been listening to head teachers, um, going on school tours. I've been listening to really sincere teenagers telling me how much they love their school. Um, and I'm not sure quite how much to believe them, but... Now, on these school visits, um, schools just love to demonstrate the absolute best that they can offer because they really want you to think this is the school to send your child to. Um, And one of the best places to visit on these school tours is the science lab. Yeah? You get these crazy experiments. You get teenagers in lab coats and gases, liquids, and who knows what else. And and when visiting a science lab the other evening, uh, one small item brought back that feeling of being at school myself. um, One one little thing more than anything else. It was the humble Bunsen burner. Do you remember that? It didn't look quite like that in my day, I'll be honest. Mine was a little bit rustier. But um, now I wasn't much of a scientist at school. Um, I really wasn't. But whenever I saw that Bunsen burner come out, I, I had this hidden passion for science that would just rise to the surface. I mean, I'd basically get to play with fire for a whole hour. It was, I mean, as a young boy, that, that wasn't, there wasn't much better than that in life, to be honest. You know, you see, there's something about a flame, about fire that just draws us in. Whatever age we are, you know, the way it kind of flickers, the way it moves, the way it heats things up. You know, there's, all, there's so much about it. It's just, we love to look at it. But beyond that, fire is also really useful. Um, It's played a massive role in the advancement of humankind. It keeps us warm. Um, It allows us to cook food so we don't get poisoned. I mean, that's pretty good, isn't it? It it brings light. It protects. It keeps away, you know, pissed animals. It brings people together. And it also destroys. It refines and it cleans as well. That might seem strange to talk about fire in a church, but... You see, there's a significance of fire all the way throughout the Bible. If you go back to the Old Testament part of the Bible, that's before Jesus was born. Um, in it, we're told that God is an all-consuming fire. It's also used to symbolize the very presence of God, like in the burning bush that Moses discovers and the pillar of fire that leads the Israelites through the desert. But in the Old Testament, fire came in specific moments for specific people at specific times. But with Jesus, that changed. And these are just two verses in the Bible that point towards a promise of what's to come. And, and um, the first verse is from Jonah um, chapter 2. Um, and then Jonah was, um, was born, he was around over 700 years BC, so before Jesus was born. And he says he will pour out his spirit on all people. You know, it's a promise from God that points towards a future where what was once available for the few will be available to the all. And then in the early pages of the New Testament, John the Baptist, this is um, a big hairy guy walking around in the desert wilderness. Um, He is Jesus' cousin and he says this as he baptizes Jesus himself. He says, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. 
He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Sounds pretty scary. So talking of which, if, if you want to find out more about what it means to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, I'd love to invite you to come out tonight. So we're, we're continuing our series on the Holy Spirit. Um, Andy's going to be preaching tonight. We're going to be baptizing some people, um, at least six people this evening. Um, and we're just going to be talking about, you know, do we need this kind of second experience of being filled with the Spirit? Can you even be a non-Spirit-filled Christian? If you want to find out more about that, 6 p.m. tonight, who can you invite? At least it's going to be pizza at the end, so, you know, it's a win-win. But this morning, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be continuing our series on fire starters. And this new outpouring of fire begins in this passage we're about to read in the book of Acts, which tells us about what all the disciples got up to once Jesus had risen and gone to heaven. But before we do that, can I just pray for us? Lord, thank you that uh, you are here. Lord, thank you that whether we know you or not, you are reaching out to us this morning. And I want to pray that what um, what I share this morning will help us just to hear from you today. Lord, I want to pray the words that from this passage will just come alive and the words that I've prepared will just help speak to our hearts today. In the name of Jesus, amen. So if you have a Bible, um, it would be turned to Acts 2. You might have it on your phone. Um, or some other device, um, and we're going to read from Acts chapter 2 and just the first four verses. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So I love this account. I'm, I'm quite a big fan of it, to be honest. I love the way the wind rushes in. I love the tongues of fire bit, especially. I mean, that always captured my imagination if I, when I read it as a child. Um, there was a, actually a picture in my Bible. I only used to read Bibles with pictures in. I still wish they just had pictures in. But anyway, um, that's another subject. Um, but, you know, they, it had real, they had real flames above their heads. I really love that. You know, this is fire from heaven. But the reality is, in my own life, I've never experienced anything quite like that. I mean, I, I believe it could happen, because I believe that with God all things are possible. But I've never experienced anything quite like that. You know, one time I thought I felt wind blowing, but then I realized it was the air con. But, you know, I think it kind of misses the point. You know, if we read the passage more carefully, you'll see that it says, like the wind, like tongues of fire. And and I can just, in my own human sense, I can relate to that a little bit more. You know, I've experienced something a little bit like wind blowing. You know, an atmosphere in a room where we've been worshipping, where God's presence is so tangible. I felt my feet rocking. I felt my legs start swaying, my whole body moving as the Holy Spirit has been invited or as someone has been praying for me. I've had moments where different parts of me have felt unnaturally hot. I don't know if any of you have experienced any of this or seen it. You know, my heart and my stomach have felt unnaturally warm and I was nowhere near a Bunsen burner. My hands or mouth, you know, heated up as I've been prayed for. I felt others pray for me and felt heat in their hands. I've been healed when, when those things have happened. I've seen people healed as I've prayed for people. You know, God longs to show us that He is here. 
And these are some of the ways that he shows that, that he is for us and he loves us. You know, he wants us to experience that fire from heaven in order that we might demonstrate his love to the world around us. So this morning, I just want to share a few thoughts on how we get to experience some of that fire from heaven. And I hope what I share is helpful, regardless of whether you've walked in thinking this was Burger King um, or you've been coming to church for years. I hope what I share is helpful this morning. Now, if we go right back to the beginning of the book of Acts, um, this is where Jesus is still around. He's risen from the dead and he's giving some instructions to his disciples. And so in chapter 1 and verse 4, he, he, we read that he told them to wait for the gift that my father has promised. And, now, um, and then we go to verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So Jesus gathers his followers together and he asks them to wait that they may be equipped to do the work that he began, restoring God's kingdom here on earth. They were waiting. Now, does anybody here like waiting? Anyone? No, I thought so. That's good. That's the right answer. So we don't do waiting well, do we? I mean, you know, as, as, um, as perhaps in the UK, we're really good at queuing. That's only because I think it gives us something to grumble about. You know, you go to the cinema and you have to wait 30 minutes to watch the movie that you've been paid to watch. You watch TV live, as in not on catch-up. I mean, who does that now? And you actually have to wait until the end of each advert break rather than fast forward through. We don't like waiting. You stand in a queue for 30 seconds and what do we do? We pull out our phones because we don't wait very well. But these words tell us that if we want to receive this fire from heaven, it will only come if we wait. So what does waiting look like for you and me? You know, we often say around here that every good thing starts in God's presence. So what better time to start than at the beginning of each day? Now, when Pete Gregg, um, he's the founder of 24-7 Prayer, he visited a few weeks back. And he shared this really helpful way of just slowing down and bringing God into our days as we wait. I've been using this to help me as I start each day. Sometimes not before I put out of bed, but that's... That, you know, you need to find your space to do this. You know, the first thing is p- um, pray, P-R-A-Y. The first thing is pause. Sounds a bit like wait to me. Become aware of God's presence. Become aware, perhaps, of your breathing. Take a few moments just to slow down as you start a new day. That's something I've been finding really helpful. The second thing, rejoice. To help me do this, I read through some of the Bible, and there's many, many helpful ways for you to engage, whether you listen to the Bible podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, version on your phone. There's so many different ways you can do that. And even an old-fashioned paper Bible as well. They're good as well. They're really good. But right now, I'm reading through the letters of the New Testament and finding that so helpful because Paul constantly thanks, um, thanks God for all these different things that are going on. And I find that really helpful for me in being thankful in what I do have. Thanking him for the breath that I've just breathed, for somewhere to sleep, to live for my wife, for my kids, for food on the table. So many things that we can be grateful for and we can rejoice in. The third thing, ask. You know, there's always something to ask for and I think often help is a good place to start. It's often the best prayers come from that place. You know, what do you need help with today? Ask for help in that. I say that because often I think we feel like we shouldn't be asking for help. But when we do ask for help, what we're actually doing is we're inviting God into the everydayness of our lives. 
We're inviting him into difficult conversations, new situations, job interviews, parking spaces, whatever it is. We're inviting him into the everyday nature of our life, and I think he loves that. Pray constantly, the Bible tells us, to keep asking what what are the things that you need to bring before him. And that last one, why? It's like yield or yes. This is a good place to lead us into the rest of our day by yielding or saying yes to him. You know, we give our yes in advance to whatever he wants to do in our lives in that day, whoever we encounter. John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, he used to say that he was loose change in God's pocket, so use me as you please to comfort the lonely, speak a kind word, notice the one who is struggling. You know, it's so important we find places we can look out for each other. And, and just as, by way of a side note, you might have noticed that it was World Mental Health um, Day this week. And I love this, uh, this image I'm just going to put up here. Um, or Alison will. So it just says that asking for help isn't giving up. It's refusing to give up. And I think that's really important for us, that when we are struggling in life, that actually we reach out. So if you're struggling today, I just want to say we'd love to pray with you this morning and help you find someone to support and work through with you. If you know someone that's struggling, reach out to them because you never know the difference that one kind word can make. So that's pray in summary. Pause, rejoice, ask, yield. I think that's really helpful because when we wait, we slow down and we begin to see and notice what's really going on around us. Now the second thing we see in that verse is that they were all together. So when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, different versions of the Bible um, say that the disciples were of one accord. You know, there was something about them that was unified. Now, I'm sure um, these disciples had many things that they disagreed on. You only have to look at the Gospels to see how many times they argued about who was the most important and things like this. But here we find that they are together. You know, there are so many things we can find ourselves disagreeing on in life, aren't there? Sports, family issues, politics even. Now, I'm struggling to think of anything specific right now, but I'm sure there's something we could all disagree on. But the Bible tells us that we can disagree on stuff and still come together. You know, Jesus said to his disciples, and I love these words, he says, it's recorded in John 13, 35, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So I I just want to urge us, friends, let's lay down our disagreements and our grumblings. You know, maybe Ash or Tim did not play your favorite song this morning. Maybe your least favorite preacher is up again this morning. Let's not show the world how much we disagree with one another. And let everyone know that as followers of Jesus, we choose to love one another anyway. Now, in our own strength, (laughs) it might seem impossible. It really does. Maybe it is. But with Christ, all things are possible. You know, as they came together, by learning to do this, these disciples experienced so much with each other. And through these experiences, they grew as individuals and as a community. You know, we we love gathering together on a Sunday morning, but these aren't always the places to go deepest. You know, think of small groups, great places to connect with others at Riverside and find pastoral support. If you're not part of one, go and have a look at the board at the back there. You know, we pray together as well. There are regular prayer meetings happening throughout the month. 
Bible days. You know, we've already talked about this already, but great places to go deeper in Scripture together as well. And next week, we're having a worship night as well. We'd love you to come out for that. Just a great space to go deeper in worship with one another. And so it was with these guys as they waited together. You know, as we wait together, we experience more together. And for the disciples, that was when the wind and the fire came. Because the fire comes as we wait. Verse 2 says this, Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting like wind. You know, there's something quite extraordinary about wind. You know, we don't see wind, do we? And yet we see what it does. It's the unseen presence moving everything we see around us, moving the trees, the leaves, everything. Now, the first time we see reference to wind in the Bible is actually on the very first page of Scripture in Genesis chapter 1. We read that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And I love this image. The word used here is the Hebrew word ruach, which means wind or breath. And it's like there's an invisible, powerful force of energy ready to breathe life, ready to bring God's goodness and life to the world. And Jesus also talked about the power of wind. You see, the thing with wind is that it can't be controlled. You know, we read in John 3 that Jesus says the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it, where it has come from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Something that blows where it pleases cannot be controlled. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we like to be in control. But part of our, our giving our lives fully to Jesus is asking the Holy Spirit to take control. It's inviting Him to live in us and transform us increasingly into the likeness of Jesus. You know, John's baptism of water that we talked about before signifies the washing away of everything we've done wrong. Whereas Jesus' baptism of fire releases power to do the stuff. Let's read on, verse 3 says they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. You know, as Jesus told them, the disciples had come together, they'd done as he instructed, and waited for the gift that God wanted to give them. They experienced what first feels like wind moving through that room, and then they see tongues of fire coming to rest on each of them. Pretty remarkable, isn't it? such an incredible image. The Holy Spirit, sometimes he comes in a whisper, sometimes more dramatically like this. You know, there's lots of different pictures of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. He's like water poured out on us, filling us to overflowing. He's like anointing oil that sets us apart for God. And here, like fire to empower us. Now, Andy used this phrase a few weeks back. He said that as Christians, we are born to burn. In other words, not for our own benefit, but to show God's love to those around us. We ask for him to set our hearts on fire that we might ignite others. John Wesley, a famous preacher, used to say, I set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. Have you ever heard um, Christians being taught about being on fire? Like they have this kind of inner zeal inside them that can't wait to get out. That's how it's meant to be, carrying his love into the world around us. 
You know, throughout history prior to this point, it had been in one place at one time, specific moments. But here at Pentecost, God was pouring out his spirit for all people at all times. Now that's all great, but the thing about fire is that it spreads. You know, fire is not meant to be contained. It's meant to spread like like wildfire, you know. And so the fire multiplies as they go. You see that in the passage we've just read? As they filled, they go out onto the streets. That's how it's meant to be. We gather here to be filled, to be empowered, in order that we scatter out from here. That is how church was always meant to work. Not so that we would just have amazing meetings, not that we don't want that, and not that that's not good. Not for greater experiences for us individually, but to enable us to go. And can we see what happens as they leave the room? They take what they've been given, different languages, boldness of speech, and they speak and breathe life into the people that they encounter. What starts out as 12 people in a room bursts out onto the streets. And as we read, we read on that after Peter speaks to them all, 3,000 people believed in Jesus that day and were filled with the Holy Spirit. And as the days go on, we read that many were added to their number daily. Just have a look through Acts. It's just incredible to see what God does through these 12 ordinary people. I've always wondered, you know, what would have happened if they'd have stayed in that room? It probably would have got very hot. Maybe the whole room would have burned down. But nothing and no one would have changed. But as they go out onto the streets, lives are changed. People are healed. Cities are transformed. History is revolutionized. Revolutionized. From 12 people in a room who were brave enough to go out, they brought that fire onto the streets around them. And now 2.2 billion people in this world profess to follow Jesus as their saviour. That's how it meant, was meant to work. 12 people going out and the impact is huge. We gather, therefore, in order to scatter. We gather here on a Sunday and in our small groups in order that we might scatter out onto our streets, into our workplaces, our schools, our colleges, our high streets, in order that we might bring that fire, that love to those around us. And he's looking for people like you and me to continue that. He wants to send his fire on those who are willing to go. You know, we're asking him to stir a passion in our hearts, to let it overflow. And I feel like, you know, he, he gives us a taste of that. He's been giving us a taste over that. I think, you know, as we've worshipped over these last, you know, few weeks, months, you know, we've seen little glimpses of him coming in his power and his presence as he meets with us. But as we meet with him and he meets with us, it's not enough that we just feel nice inside or, or whatever that looks like for you. What's significant is how it changes the way we live our lives. And so part of what we're talking about this morning is the fire that he wants to impart on each one of us. Not a fire that sits safely in a fire pit or a fireplace, but a wildfire, a wildfire that spreads. A wildfire that engulfs our streets and our workplaces. That's what we're calling for this morning. That's what we want to see. Do you want to see any of that? Any? Yeah? Want to see? That's good. 
You know, when I look out and I see so much division around us, I just long to see God's fire spread and bring healing and bring unity where there is division. Where I see people sick, where I see stabbings and shootings, I want to see God's fire poured out into this world and transform it one person at a time. Each one of us can bring that fire as we go. 